are so many amazing perks of being sober. And one of my favorites is that sobriety allows us to take self-care to the next level. And it gives us such a sense of confidence. There's really nothing like feeling confident in your own skin. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, One Skin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. I've told you about how when I got sober, one of my favorite things was starting a skincare routine because that was not something I ever prioritized before. But let's be honest, knowing what the best skincare routine is can be a little overwhelming. That's why I'm excited about One Skin. There's no complicated routine, no multiple step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code HAPPIEST at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code HAPPIEST. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support my show and tell them I sent you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, and when we get sober, they can almost feel magnified at first because we're adjusting to feeling all our feelings again rather than using alcohol to numb them. I was honestly really surprised when I got sober at how many emotions came up for me. I remember literally saying, I have so many feelings right now, and it felt really overwhelming having to feel them all. But the great thing about that is that it gave me the clarity and awareness that I had some things to work through, like people-pleasing and like my own self-talk. That's where therapy can be so helpful because it's a safe space to get things off your chest and begin to work through what's been weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What I really love about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire and you'll be matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com happiest today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash happiest. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happiest Sober Podcast. I hope you're having an awesome week. I am back this week with a solo episode. And when I was thinking about what to chat about this week, I asked myself, what is the number one question I get from people who like, you know, reach out to me, who message me on Instagram, wherever. Um, And by a landslide, the number one question I get is, how did you do it? I want to get sober. I don't know where to start. Like, how did you start? Um, So I thought I would just do a full episode kind of chatting all about early sobriety, what worked for me, and my top tips for anyone who is just starting out on their sober journeys. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of background about kind of my early journey to sobriety before I get into all of my tips, because one of my main tips was my main takeaway from the first kind of month and a half of trying to maintain sobriety before it stuck. And I've spoken extensively on this podcast, um, like in more detail about my story. If you listen to episode number 19, I kind of shared um, my story in more detail. My mom came on and like interviewed me about it. Um, And also in episode 30, um, I talk all about slips, which were a part of my journey because it took me a few tries for my sobriety to stick. Um, But just like a quick background is that when I first started trying to get sober, um, it was in the fall of 20. 2020. And I noticed pretty quickly like a pattern developing, which was I, you know, I had my day one. I felt very good, very motivated, um, very clear in my why. And then I would get like two or three weeks under my belt. And once I reached the two or three week mark, that's when I would really, really, really 
want to drink. And I would convince myself that like, actually, I think it was okay. I think I can drink. And then I would drink and then I would wake up feeling terrible, feeling again, solidified in my why, um, ready to do this. And then again, two or three week mark, I would be like, Ooh, I really, really want to drink. I'm just going to let myself drink. Um, And so the kind of aha moment that came out of that, which is like, you know, one of my always one of my number one tips of sobriety is I just had this light bulb moment of like, I need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I like it was this realization that I was inevitably going to really, really want to drink and sitting with the feeling of really, really wanting to drink and not drinking through it is hard. It's not fun. But I realized like, until I get comfortable with feeling that feeling and not drinking through it, I'm just going to keep repeating this cycle forever. Um, and I don't want to do that. So I kind of just accepted like, okay, staying sober means being willing to feel uncomfortable. It means being willing to sit with all of my feelings, good and bad, and not drinking through them. And so that's kind of always my number one tip to anyone in sobriety is to just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And early sobriety can really be an emotional roller coaster. Like we are not used to feeling all of our feelings, right? So it can feel kind of like overwhelming and exhausting at first, but it's just kind of accepting that that is an inherent part of getting sober. It's just like the willingness to feel all of that, to sit with it, and to trust that all of our feelings will always, always pass. They're not going to last forever. And eventually we do adjust to feeling our feelings again. They're definitely more magnified in early sobriety. So I would say like if you're just starting and you're like, oh my God, I have so many feelings. I don't want to feel this way all the time. Um, It doesn't feel that way all the time. It's just really an adjustment at first, but eventually it does kind of normalize. And of course, life's always going to be life. There's always going to be hard days and hard times, but we do kind of adjust to um, not not needing to reach for alcohol to, to numb those feelings. We just adjust to feeling our feelings and also to just having co- uh, healthier coping mechanisms for for dealing with them. So such a big mantra for me, especially in getting out of that cycle of slipping and starting again was the willingness to sit with my feelings. Um, but okay, so getting right into just all of my top tips for anyone else who was just starting out. And I'll say right off the bat, you know, that question of like, how do I start? Like even just being here, listening to this, asking that question, like that is such an amazing way to start. Like, you know, often it starts with just our own gut knowing. Often it starts with our own internal decision, you know, getting to that point where you're like, enough is enough. I can't keep living this way. I need to make a change. That is where it starts. And like you just get to absolutely take it day by day from that point on. I think that it can feel so, so daunting the idea of getting sober, but it really can just be a choice you make right now today if you know that your drinking isn't serving you or even if you're asking yourself if your drinking is serving you then really deep down, I think that, you know, when you're asking those questions, it's because you already know the answer. Um, So just even getting reflective on that, looking within, you know, reading up, reaching out to people, looking at sober accounts, all of those things, that is a great way of starting because often it just really is like an internal 
deciding to be ready and deciding to do this. And you really just have to kind of take it like day by day, moment by moment. But okay, my number one tip for everyone who is starting out in sobriety is absolutely to put pen to paper and write everything down. Like I just referenced with, you know, kind of the cycle I got into in my early sobriety. Even once we get like a week or two under our belt, it can be really easy to sort of like disconnect from our why and from our like resolve and our motivation of why we want to do this. And the earlier we are in our sobriety, the more clear we can be on like the negative effects of alcohol. So like if you're listening to this and you're on day one even, like that is the perfect, perfect time to write down in detail how drinking made you feel, what all the consequences of it were, why you don't want to keep living that way anymore, why you want to get sober. And you can do this anytime. Um, The best time is right now, no matter where you are in your sobriety. So really, yeah, putting pen to paper because – if you get you know, further down the line and you start to question your why or you're not feeling as motivated, maybe you're starting to romanticize the idea of drinking a little bit, what you wrote down can be your greatest tool to go read back and remind yourself of exactly why you're doing this. Um, you know, I downloaded a sober app in my early days, um, the I Am Sober app. It's a free app. It's really awesome. You count days on it. Um, and there was a part where you write down your why. And the cool thing about documenting all of this is that our whys can change over time. Like when I first got sober, my why, like a big part of my why was really just like, I don't want to feel the suffering that alcohol is making me feel anymore. Like I want to find a different way. Um, and now my why has evolved and changed so much rather than it being because of the suffering drinking caused me. Now it's because like, oh my God, I've created a way better life than I ever, ever, ever could have created if I was still drinking. And I would like never dream of ruining that with alcohol. Um, but I have actually, so I just pulled up my sober app. I, I still have it here because if I ever want to know my day count, I can just open it up. Um, but I can see here like my why. So I wrote this when I was first starting to try to get sober. Um, so I wrote, I don't want to waste away my days being hungover anymore. I don't want to wake up riddled with guilt and anxiety because I don't remember the night. I don't want to wake up and reach for my phone in a panic to check who I messaged. I don't want to have to nervously ask if anything bad happened last night. I want to reconnect with myself again and find happiness and fun on my own without needing to alter my mind. So that was what I wrote down when I first started trying to get sober. Um, And that was so handy to go and read because it's like it's almost like a little reminder for our future self um, if we start to question it once, you know, we're a lot further away from the last time we were hungover and really feeling feeling those consequences of drinking. And yeah, if I was going to write that now, it would for sure have a lot of those same aspects, but it has just grown so, so, so much because my life has changed so much more for the better in sobriety. And like all those reasons would be an even bigger part of my why. Another thing that I wrote down that I highly recommend doing because it was such a godsend for me in my early sobriety is I wrote out on my phone a list of my top like drunk regrets, like anything I regretted, any just cringy, embarrassing moment, the worst mornings I had waking up after alcohol, just like everything alcohol ever made me do 
that I regretted, like anything big, the biggest ones and even the little ones. And this is absolutely not to keep ourselves in like a place of shame. It's not to do it and beat yourself up and like sit in that place of shame. But it's so helpful because if you're ever feeling tempted to drink, like, I'll, you know, speaking from my experience, I went back to it in times that I felt tempted to drink and it was the absolute best best, best reminder of what I didn't want to go back to, of what I didn't want to experience again, of the person I didn't want to be. Like it helped me so much having that in writing. And I really recommend, you know, from writing out your why and all the um, like negative aspects of drinking, as well as writing out this like drunk regrets list, write it in a note on your phone because then you'll have it on you at all times. And literally if you're out, you know, out for like dinner or out socializing or at a party, if you need to go like lock yourself in the bathroom and reread that to center yourself, if you're feeling tempted, it is just such a helpful tool for yourself. So that is definitely my top tip for anyone starting out, write all of that down. You will absolutely thank yourself later and just journal a lot in general, like document your journey. I actually journaled way more than I even remembered that I did in my early sobriety. And recently, because I've like just about filled up a journal for the first time in my adult life, by the way, and I flipped back to the beginning of it and I found so much journaling I had done about early sobriety and being like, I'm on day 10 and like, this is where I'm at. And um, it's really cool to get to look back on and see your progress and see, you know, how that journey felt. Um, it's a really cool feeling and it's cool. Cause like when, when time passes, we really do kind of forget a lot and to just even be reminded of like all the hard work that you put into this, um, it will be cool to look back on one day. So journaling is such a great tool. My next tip is one that I just touched on, but it's to download a sober app for counting days. So like I said, I used the I Am Sober app. It's free. It's really awesome. This is not sponsored by the way, but I used the I Am Sober app in my early sobriety and it's like you, it counts your days, but you get to, you know, you get to record your why you, you record like how much money you spent on alcohol, how much time you spent on alcohol. So even those things are calculated over time of like the money and time that you've saved. Um, and the cool thing too, is that you can go in every day and click like, I pledge that I'm not drinking today. And then at the end of the day, you can go and check off like I didn't drink today. Um, and that was something I did every day in my early sobriety. And it's pretty cool because if you go back and like, if I go back and scroll on all my sober days, I can see all the days I pledged. And then when I stopped pledging, and that's not because I started drinking, it's because like I no longer needed to do the pledge anymore because it didn't become something I had to, you know, think hard about every day. Um, it just started to become my norm over time. So even that's kind of cool to look back on. But yeah, you can record your why. It counts your days for you. Um, and I think the importance of this is because I think it is so freaking important to celebrate our milestones in sobriety. Um, that's a really big tip. You know, like I remember, I always say this, but in my early days, like hitting four days was such a huge deal for me. Like in every attempt, whenever I got to day four, I was like, oh my God, day four. Because in my drinking days, there, like by the end, there wouldn't be a time where I would ever not drink for four days in a row. Um, cause it was just such a, such a constant thing for me. So reaching day four was a big deal. Day 10 was so exciting, double digits, like reaching a week, you know, all those things. And I'm such a big believer that 
every milestone in sobriety. Every single day is something that we should celebrate ourselves for and something that we should feel proud of. And like, if you get to a point where you don't have to think that hard about it anymore and it's just life and then you just like open up your app out of curiosity, you get to see what milestones you've hit. Um, And I think it's really cool. And I think it's super important to celebrate ourselves because it's a big deal. It's a huge change. It's something we work so hard at. It's something that takes so much courage. It's something we're doing that's like going against, you know, the norm in our world. It is a big deal. And we deserve to celebrate ourselves for every single day of it, every milestone, every win. Um, So I think that downloading sober apps is a really great way to, you know, it keeps count for us so that we don't have to. We just kind of get to see our wins. Um, So I love that. My next tip is to really, really like immerse yourself in sobriety. So I read a ton of Quitlet in my early days, which is books about quitting drinking. I read um, just a few recommendations off the top of my head. Um, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray is such an amazing book. It's my favorite Quitlet. This Naked Mind by Annie Grace is amazing. We Are the Luckiest by Laura McCowan is an amazing one. Blackout by Sarah Hippola is great. Um, Girl Walks Out of a Bar by Lisa Smith. I think those are my like top three favorites. But read all the books you can get your hands on. There are so, so many of them now. So many awesome like quit lit books and memoirs. Um, lit, you know, you're here listening to this podcast. Listen to sober podcasts. There's also so many of them more and just like more and more, you know, being created every day, which is so cool. Follow sober Instagram accounts. Like the sober Instagram community was such a game changer for me in my early days. It's such a cool way to find community and and to really just like fill up your social media feed with people who, you know, inspire you and who are living a life like you want to live. And, you know, with that comes also unfollowing accounts that um, that don't align with your values anymore. If you, you know, if you follow people on Instagram who are constantly glamorizing alcohol, you can mute or unfollow them. You know, you can really just make your social media feed reflect the change you're trying to make in your life. So, you know, reading about it, listening to podcasts, following Instagram accounts, it's so, so, so helpful in making you feel not alone and inspiring you. Um, and something that I will say about this too is because, you know, something I've talked about quite a bit on this podcast is, is, um, you know, problematic drinking, not having to be such a black and white thing anymore, you know, like that whole, you don't have to hit rock bottom to decide to get sober. And a lot more people are choosing to get sober before they've hit that point. Um, a lot of people who, you know, fall more on the gray area on the spectrum of problematic drinking. Um, and the one, you know, thing where sometimes reading a lot of other sober stories can backfire is that oftentimes if you are someone who maybe falls more on the gray area, it's easy to hear someone else's story and use their story to invalidate your own experience and your own decision. Like, you know, maybe you read a sober memoir and someone hit a much lower bottom than you did. And then it can make you question your own decision of like, oh my God, I didn't get as bad as them. I wasn't that bad. Like maybe I actually don't need to do this. And so a really great kind of mantra for 
reading and hearing other people's sober stories. And I think this might be an AA mantra, um, but it's look for the similarities, not the differences. Because all of our stories are so different. All of our experiences are so different. Someone can have a really, really problematic relationship with alcohol, but the problematic aspects of it are all just like internal and not necessarily affecting their external life that much. But we can always find similarities in our experiences no matter what, whether that's even just the emotional experience of drinking, you know, like maybe you're reading someone's memoir and they, you know, got a DUI or they lost their job and that didn't happen to you. But what you can relate to is how they wake up in the morning crippled with shame, crippled with anxiety, the mental space that alcohol takes up. So that's kind of my one tip as well for, you know, following other people's sober journeys is to make sure that you're not using the differences to invalidate your own experience and that you're just looking for the common thread that's there between all of us because there will always, always be one. My next tip is all about rituals. And this was a really, really big one for me in my early days because what I realized when I quit drinking was that Drinking was such a ritual and habit in my day that I looked forward to so much. Like, you know, I got sober during the pandemic. We were in lockdown. I was working from home. It was freaking Groundhog Day. And the best part of my day at that point in my life was closing my laptop, walking into the next room and pouring a glass of wine. And with that you know, ritual out of the way, like it left behind such a void and it made me sad. I missed it. And something that really helped me was just actively replacing it with something else. So what I did to replace it was when I got off work, I would light all the candles in my apartment. I would put on like music or, you know, a comfort show and I would pour a seltzer into a wine glass, like into a fancy glass. And that was my little replacement ritual. And it really helped me to just have something to actively replace my wine with. And at first, it kind of felt like depressing and anticlimactic because I was like, Ugh, like, I wish like I just want this to be wine right now. This isn't actually what I want. Um, but the more I did it, the more it actually became something that I really looked forward to. And it became like a really happy part of my day. Um, and yours doesn't have to be centered around like a drink. Like mine was, you know, any non-alcoholic drink in a fancy glass. But if you don't want it to be to revolve around a drink because that's too similar to the drinking ritual, then it could be like going for a walk after work or, you know, watching your favorite show or listening to music or, you know, taking a bath, doing yoga, like journaling, like any ritual that you can just actively replace it with. Um, you know, a big part of sobriety is forming habits and really being deliberate about I would normally drink right now. What am I going to do instead? What can I replace it with? You know, in my early days, I even bought like an adult coloring book because I was just so missing the ability to like numb out and just like decompress, you know, easily with a drink. And so I got an adult coloring book. I would again, like put on music, light candles, try to make a nice thing of it, have a seltzer. And I would just like color as a way to kind of like keep my mind occupied. So there's so many different things that you can try. Um, but I really think that like finding new rituals is so important. And you know, on that topic, such an exciting thing for me in early sobriety was having a bedtime routine for the first time ever. I was someone who without fail would pass out on my couch, teeth not brushed, 
full face of makeup, like maybe wake up in the middle of the night and stumble off to bed, maybe not. But I never got ready for bed on nights that I was drinking. And in sobriety, I started like it became such a joy for me to go like brush my teeth, even freaking floss, do all the things, take off my makeup, wash my face, like moisturize, do do an actual like skincare routine before bed. And it sounds so trivial, but it was a really big deal for me because it was not something that I was ever able to do when I was drunk. Um, And it became a real like point of pride. It was something I got so excited to do because it was just like a novelty of like I drunk me could never, drunk me could never. So it made me so happy. Um, And, you know, what I realized was really like – beneath this was when I was in a meeting in my early sobriety, I heard someone say, esteemable acts build self-esteem. And it clicked for me so hard. Like the reason that the bedtime routine was so exciting for me was just because I was actually doing something for myself to take care of myself in sobriety in a way that I couldn't in my drinking days. And that was an esteemable act. And like that was something that was helping build up my self-esteem again because I was really like I'm actually taking care of myself now. Um, So all of that to say that like in your sobriety, it can be really, really helpful to start new routines and habits for yourself that allow you to take care of yourself in ways that you know, your drunk self couldn't, whether that's, you know, a morning routine, like talk about things that our drunk selves couldn't do. Mornings are obviously such a write-off when you're hungover and feeling so, so crappy. So even like make a new morning routine for yourself in sobriety, whether that's like waking up and writing in a gratitude journal and then making your coffee and like really like taking that first sip of coffee and taking a moment to appreciate that you're not hungover, like make new rituals for yourself that are really centered around celebrating the fact that you're sober and celebrating that you're doing these things because you're sober. And it might, you know, seem small, but it really, really is big. And these things really add up um, and contribute to how, how we feel about ourselves as time goes on. My next tip is such a big one and it's no secret that this is important, but finding community. It is just an absolute game changer because you don't have to do this alone. And the thing about getting sober is that you can feel really alone. Like like I said earlier, you know, you're going against the norm in the world when you get sober. And sometimes you really just feel in the minority. You really just feel like, oh my God, the whole world drinks. And also, Um, so many of us carry around so much shame for our drunk selves and for like, you know, our relationship with alcohol and being like in a room, whether a real room or a virtual room, a room full of people that have had the same experiences as you that understand your feelings and your experiences. It is so, so powerful to know that you're not alone and to get to connect with other people who get it, especially if you don't necessarily have that um, already with the people in your life. So finding community 
Um, and there's, we're so lucky now, like there's so many different options for it. Obviously AA is always there and it's an amazing program that has helped so many people get sober. And if you're someone who like AA doesn't resonate with you, there are now so many different options. There's so many different virtual communities. I have a virtual community called the happiest sober hub, um, that I just absolutely freaking love. It is such an incredible, positive, inspiring, uplifting, like supportive community. Um, you can sign up anytime. If you head to happiestsober.com, I'll link it in the description of the episode as well. Um, but whether it's, whether it's, you know, any, any virtual community, just finding that support and finding other people who make you feel seen, who make you feel understood, it really is a game changer. And it also adds accountability. Like once you've connected with these people, it's like there's that camaraderie, like we're all doing this, we're all in this together. And those become the people that you really want to stay accountable to. Um, You know, even for me, so I joined a virtual support group in my early days. um, And that helped me a ton. But honestly, even like sober Instagram was such a huge piece of community for me. And it became a really great account accountability tool for me, for sure. Like I, I, you know, as time went on and that community grew, I wanted to stay sober also for my community there. Um, so it really, really just helps. And like, not only does it help you stay sober, but it just makes sobriety so much better. Like it's so much better when you make new sober friends and you have people who you can relate to or who, you know, you can reach out to for support and who are going to understand. It really does just make a world of a difference. So there's so many places to find community now. So definitely, definitely make that a mission if you don't already have it. Okay. My next tip is to remember that it is completely normal and in fact, kind of part of the process that you are probably going to have moments where you doubt this decision, where you question whether your drinking was really that bad, where you romanticize the idea of drinking. And I think that expecting these thoughts to come kind of takes a lot of their power away because if it comes, you can be like, okay, I know this is just part of the process. Like this is just what my brain is going to do. It's going to play tricks on me and I don't have to listen to these thoughts. Um, this is actually like an actual brain process called fading effect bias. I did a full episode on this. If you go back and listen to episode 26, um, but fading effect bias really just is like when we get some distance from our past negative times, we tend to look back on them through rose colored glasses and we remember the good parts and it's the exact same Thing that can make us look back on a really toxic relationship and like miss our ex and remember the good times with them. So really just to remember that like I'm probably going to have moments where I doubt this and that's when I have to really, really connect back to my why. That's when I need to remember all the consequences of my drinking, all the worst times, like let those bad memories be more powerful than the good memories that your brain is trying to tell you. And I think the most, you know, the thing that really shifted this for me was when I was having those doubts, like I was doing exactly that. I was talking to my mom and I was saying, I don't know if I was really that bad. Like maybe I didn't actually need to quit drinking. And she said to me, if your drinking wasn't that bad, you would not have quit. And I really latched on to that because it's so true. Like it is not an easy decision to come to. It's not an easy thing to do. It's a scary thing to do. It's really, really hard. And we just have to trust that if drinking wasn't really, really 
making us suffer and really bringing our lives down. And if it was as fun as our brains are telling us it was right now, we never ever would have quit. And especially if you've had a few tries at getting sober, like if you went back and it was really as fun as your brain was telling you, you wouldn't have come back and wanted to get sober. So what I really, really told myself was like, I just have to trust the decision I made when I was actually living through it, when I was actually waking up feeling those consequences of drinking. And I wouldn't have made that decision if I didn't really need to, if I didn't know that it was what was best for me. And I can trust that more than I can trust my perception of it right now when I'm missing alcohol because it's going to be skewed. And the truth is that like there's a very, very real grieving process when we let go of alcohol. Um, It was absolutely something that I really had to grieve and it's okay to let yourself go through that grieving process. Um, And you know, like I said, just coming back to the breakup analogy, like when we like, let's say if we're unhappy in a relationship and then we end the relationship with someone and then like afterwards you're sad and you miss them and you miss the good time. So you're like, oh my God, like, did I make a mistake? Should I have done that? But really, if you were in a happy relationship, you would have never wanted to break up in the first place, right? Like it's that exact same thing where endings are hard, change is hard. It's going to be sad. You're letting go of alcohol, which was like such a big part of your life. It's completely natural to miss that and to grieve that and to look back on the good times. But it's just remembering like I wouldn't have ended that relationship with alcohol if it was a positive thing in my life, if it was bringing me, you know, joy, if it was making my life better, like obviously it wasn't. And that's why we're here. And we just need to keep reminding ourselves of that. And again, coming back to the beginning, that really is why writing things down is so, so helpful because like when you're at a point where you're feeling really connected to your why and solid in it, it's like doing yourself a favor for if your brain does start to play these tricks on you. Um, But I think it's really, it can really help to just expect that it's all a normal part of the process. It doesn't mean anything's gone wrong. It's completely normal to miss drinking. It's normal to have moments where you're like, oh my God, I really want to have a drink right now because it was such a big habit, right? Like it would be weird to not have those moments. But I always say that like those thoughts can come and that's okay. And we can't even control whether they're going to come, but we can control how we're going to respond to them. And if we don't act on them, then they don't have any power over us. So those thoughts can come and then our work is to A, not act on them, and B, to get really deliberate about replacing those thoughts with the truth and like telling ourselves the truth of why we're doing this, of how alcohol is affecting us, of why we don't want to drink, even if we feel like we want to in that moment. And coming back to really like sitting with discomfort, the best part of kind of getting through those moments of feeling like you really want to drink is that as long as you stay strong through that and don't drink through it, then the emotion will eventually pass because it always does. And then that desire to drink gets replaced with so much gratitude for the fact that you didn't drink. And then it's really empowering realizing like, oh my God, I wanted to drink and then I didn't. And now I'm so glad I didn't. And then the next time you want to drink, you have that experience that you can draw on to remember like, okay, I've felt this way before. I didn't drink through it and I was happy that I didn't drink through it. So I know I can get through this again. And the more you do it, the stronger you're going to get in that and the more evidence you'll have for yourself that you can do hard things and that you don't have to drink through your emotions and that staying sober is the absolute best, best, best thing you can do for yourself. 
And that leads actually really perfectly into my next point, which is the number one tool that helped me stay sober, which is playing the tape forward. So when that thought comes in, if you're ever feeling tempted to drink, or maybe you're just like, maybe feeling a little bit sad, maybe you're going out with your friends and you're like, oh, I wish I could drink. It would be so much fun. That's when you have to play the tape forward. Okay, what would happen if I drank? How will this night turn out? How will I feel in the morning? And that's when you're going to like, you know, look back and get really honest with yourself about how it used to turn out. Did you used to get too drunk? Did you, you know, black out and forget your night? Did you wake up full of anxiety and dread and panic and like feeling like everybody was mad at you, seeing embarrassing drunk texts on your phone, having to ask other people what happened? Like really remind yourself how you would feel tomorrow if you were to drink and then bring it back to like, how do I want to feel tomorrow? And like for me, my hangover free mornings were what kept me going in my early days. Like, okay, I might miss drinking right now. It might be a hard night because I really wish I could drink, but I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm doing this for future me. And I know that when I wake up, hangover free. I'm so grateful for it every single time. You never, ever, ever, ever regret not drinking. And that's what you have to hold on to. We cannot say the same for drinking. I've woken up, you know, most times I've woken up after drinking, there's been at least some regret there. Um, You're never going to wake up hangover free and be like, I wish I got wasted last night. I wish I blacked out last night. Like that never happens. So just play the tape forward. Remember how you don't want to feel. And remember that like you used to feel that way every morning and feeling that way led you to wanting to get sober. And like you've worked so hard to free yourself from that cycle, from that suffering, right? So really remembering, like I remember being like, I'm doing that for the old version of me who used to wake up and say like, never again, I can't feel this way again. And I'm going to keep that promise to her. So always, always, always play the tape forward, especially like for me, um, anxiety was one of the main catalysts that made me decide to get sober. Like drinking caused me terrible anxiety, made me feel so much shame. So just really taking a moment to remember how that used to feel um, would really kind of shut down like, okay, I might feel like I want to drink right now, but what I want even more than a drink is to not feel that way tomorrow. My next tip is like the oldest sober mantra in the book, but it is just taking it one day at a time, like especially in the early days. I think, you know, such a hard part of getting sober is that we future trip and we think like, oh my God, I can never drink again. I have to do this forever. Like, you know, just playing the whole tape of your life forward without alcohol. And that feels so daunting. Um, And it's really remembering like, all I have right now is the moment that's in front of me. That's all I have. All I not only all I have to do, but all I actually can do is to just stay sober today. Um, And you know, everybody, I think what's really cool is that everybody has different mindsets that work for them in sobriety. Some people want to take it one day at a time forever because that's what feels doable and empowering for them. Other people find it very empowering to say, no, it's forever for me and I'm never drinking again. And that's freeing to say that. Some people like to break it down into small goals. Like, okay, I'm doing six months. Once I I hit my six months, then I'm going to shoot for a year. Once I hit a year, I'm going to shoot for this next milestone. Um, And some people really like to just say, like, just for today, like, it's not something that I'm stuck in forever. It's something that I'm choosing to do for myself today because that's what's best for me. Um, And there's no right or wrong, but I think especially in the early days, just focus on today because that's all you can do 
Um, and if you find yourself future tripping, I actually did a full <laughs> referencing a lot of old episodes in this one, but I did a full episode on um, future tripping and how to kind of like navigate it and shut it down. Episode 47, if you want to go listen to that one. But really just remembering all I can do, the only thing that's in my power right now is waking up and deciding not to drink today. My next tip for early sobriety is like, honestly, this is kind of a time to just be a little bit selfish and to put yourself first and to do what's best for you. And if that means saying no to things, then it's really important to just let yourself do that and to give yourself permission to do that and to really, really just take extra, extra care of yourself. And that might look different every day. Like maybe one day that's doing a lot and really being like, I'm going to go for walks. I'm going to go get coffees with friends. I'm going to go, you know, do this. And sometimes that might look like slowing down. And like, maybe it looks like watching Netflix and eating ice cream one night instead of drinking. And I think that is totally okay too. So I think just like, it is such a time to be gentle with yourself and to remember that if I'm getting through the day without drinking, I am doing enough and I can put myself and my own needs first right now because I'm making such a big change and this is a really, really big deal. Um, and I, you know, I think it's so, I think it's such a common thread that so many of us in sobriety struggle with people pleasing. Um, it's definitely something I'm, I'm still (laughs) working through. Um, so you, you listening to this might have those tendencies as well. So it's a really great time to really practice. Like, no, I'm going to have my own back right now. I'm going to put myself first. I'm going to put my sobriety first. I'm going to say no to things that aren't serving me. And I'm going to, you know, do whatever I need to do each day. Um, to not drink. And my last step is really just to make sure that you're focusing on the positives, the benefits, the wins, like early sobriety. It's like such a fragile time. And, you know, so, so often we struggle with feeling left out with feeling FOMO where, you know, navigating feelings we're not necessarily used to feeling. We're going through like our grieving process from alcohol, but despite all of that, there are so many awesome benefits to be found in the early days. Like you get to wake up in the morning with all your memories, with a clear mind, without any anxiety about what you might have done or said last night. You don't need to like worry if other people are mad at you for something you don't remember doing. You don't have to ask other people what you did. Like just that total, total peace of mind is such a gift. And, you know, you get so much time back in sobriety that used to go to either drinking or like suffering through a hangover. And, you know, with all that time, you can be really deliberate in how you want to spend it. And you can find new ways to spend it, whether that's focusing more energy and time on like self-care or maybe that's like reconnecting back to an old hobby that you kind of let go in your drinking days. Or maybe that's trying a new hobby that you've always wanted to try but haven't had like the time or energy or motivation um, to do in your drinking days. Like there's a lot of opportunity that comes with getting sober and even though it's challenging and it takes a lot of hard work, there's so many gifts in that. And you know, you know, side note, hobbies are actually great sober tools as well because they can be very kind of like all consuming. So if you, you know, you need that like mental distraction of something else to do other than drink, like taking up a new hobby can be a great one, whether that's learning a new instrument, trying a new sport, 
um, try like getting crafty, like, you know, trying a new kind of like art thing, like crocheting, like there's so many different options of things that you can do to kind of like let them get almost like a new little obsession going. Um, that can be really, really helpful as well for early sobriety. But yeah, like, even though of course, it's going to be hard, there's going to be hard days, like, make sure that you're also celebrating the positives in it and practicing gratitude. Like if you have, you know, a hard night where you really wanted to drink, then make sure in the morning you're freaking celebrating the fact that you're not suffering through the consequences of drinking because you deserve that. You deserve to celebrate that. Like none of us get sober to just live miserable, sober lives. We get sober because we want to improve our lives. We want to be happier. And that of course comes with time. Um, but we deserve to celebrate all those wins and to soak in all the benefits of getting sober. Um, so just making sure that you're being deliberate where you can of appreciating all those gifts in sobriety. So above all else, just be freaking kind to yourself. Be easy on yourself. It's such a big deal what you're doing. It's not like if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. It's not for the faint of heart, but Something that I like to remind people in early sobriety is, you know, of course you always hear like it gets easier and it does. But something that I think can be a really helpful reminder is that how early sobriety feels does not reflect how longer term sobriety feels because it's so er easy to be going, you know, going through early sobriety and like that's your only experience of sobriety that you have. So you're like, oh my God, like is this just what life's going to feel like forever? But I like to remind people that like that's not what life feels like forever in sobriety. That's what early sobriety feels like. And you don't have to do that part forever because it's going to pass. Like you're going through early sobriety. You're going to get through to the other side. And eventually it really, really does become like your normal life. And it's not something that you have to work hard at or think about all the time. Um, and that's really where kind of the, the transformation begins. And it's really, really, really worth hanging in through those early days when they feel hard. Um, so I know I, this episode is like how to start. And I just said a lot. Um, but I just kind of wanted to share like all the different things that helped me get through my early days. But really coming back to like, even just by being here, you're starting and every day adds up. So how you start is by waking up and deciding that you're not going to drink today and using whatever tools work for you to help you not drink that day. And I just listed a whole ton and different ones will work for different people, right? So it's like take what resonates and leave the rest. Um, but it's so easy to to put it off because it's there's always going to be an excuse to start later. Oh, I've got this coming up. I'll want to drink for that. And it really is like the best way to start is to just start today, is to just decide like today I'm not going to drink. I'm going to do it for my future self tomorrow and then doing whatever you need to do to get through the day without drinking. And when you really just break it down that way, it's so much less daunting and slowly but surely the days will start to add up. And I remember like, you know, once I passed 30 days, that was kind of it for me because I was like, I was so proud of it. I was like, oh my God, I got 30 days. And then, you know, the more time went on, anytime I felt tempted to drink, it was like, no, like I felt protective of my sobriety. It was something that I worked so hard at. It was something that I was so proud of. And so the more time I got under my belt, the easier 
it became to not give in to the desire to drink because my sobriety became such this like special important thing for me. Um, so really just trusting like these early days won't last forever. I just have to get through today. Slowly but surely, the days will add up. It's not going to feel this way forever. It will get easier. All I have to do is just not drink today. And I promise you, your future self is so, so, so thankful. Because when I look at my life now, like, oh my God, I would never ever want to go back to my drinking days. And I had to grieve the hell out of them. I was so sad. I missed them. I thought life was never going to be as fun and exciting again, but it has changed for the better in every way possible in sobriety. And that's really what's in store for all of us as long as we're willing to really look at it that way and to look at it as this positive thing that we're doing for ourselves. So hopefully if you're in early sobriety or, you know, at any point in sobriety, because we all need, we all need to rely on these tools sometimes, but hopefully this was a helpful one for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then feel free to share it with a friend or share it on social media. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, it would mean the world to me if you could rate it or even leave it or review. It helps so, so much. And be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. As I mentioned, I have my sober support group, The Happiest Sober Hub. You can sign up anytime. I will link it in the description of this episode. And you can always head to my website, happiestsober.com to sign up there. And finally, my sober trip to Croatia is still on sale. There are still spots left. I could not be more excited for it. It's going to be so amazing. I will link it in the description of this episode as well. Head to the link to view the full itinerary and to reserve your spot. I would love for you to come. You can follow me on Instagram at happiestsober and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at happiestsober.com. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so I'll chat with you next week. I hope you have an amazing week. Remember that life's happiest when you're sober. Bye. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.